Hey everybody, welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and on today's podcast, Terry Berger is taking over the podcast. So it's Takeover Tuesday. He is taking over the podcast and jumping in to interview me. So we were on a meeting recently, and he said, "Hey, Bill, I don't know how you do it, but you're more productive than most people that I've ever seen. I want to interview you and ask you a few questions about your productivity." And um, so we did. He just interviewed me. At the end, you know, I feel like it's it, it was very interesting of where we went and how we got there to talk about productivity and how you can be two, three, even five times more productive than the average person to get more done in less amount of time. What would it be for your business if you get more done in less time? You would have more time for your family, more time for everything else that you want to do. Absolutely amazing. The one thing that we didn't talk about is the stand-up desk. So I just got a stand-up desk recently. You've probably seen it on some of these podcast videos. It was a productivity hack that I used. Absolutely amazing. It is called a Very Desk, V-A-R-I, and it's electronic, up and down, really cool. It allows me to get re-energized, refocused, especially on these videos, a little bit more animated and a better podcast for you guys, I think. So let's jump into Terry interviewing me. He's taking over the podcast. So take it away, Mr. Terry Berger. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey, everybody. Terry Berger here. I've hijacked the Seven Figure Flipping podcast today. Uh, I get to interview one of my best friends, closest friends, Bill Allen. And uh, I kind of talked Bill into this interview because I think it's something everybody, not just if you run a business, but real estate business aside, any business needs to hear how productive this guy is. And I think he's got some cool hacks to share. So, Bill, hey, welcome to your podcast, man. Hey, Terry. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. You know, so how did you, uh, how did you tell me your real estate story? No, I'm just kidding. Everybody kind of knows your real estate story. So Bill uh, has, has, and I have been on some meetings lately together and I'm going through, Bill's kind of going through his schedule. Like it's one of the things that we do. We talk about what we did yesterday, what we did today, what deadlines we have coming up, um, what cross departmental needs that we have. And so it's kind of this productivity huddle about 20 minutes every morning with the marketing department at Seven Figure Flipping. And, and Bill's just like rattling off all this stuff, you know, like it's nobody's business. And so Bill, I, I wanna talk to you today about um, how in the world you're so productive. So can you tell us all your secrets, your tricks of productivity that you have right now? Well, I think the first thing that you just said, like what we're doing right now in the marketing department is pretty big. It's just like Terry came in and is helping me out with some of the marketing. Uh, department stuff and some of the like C CEO or COO kind of stuff inside of uh, seven figure flipping. And he set up these morning meetings and for 20 minutes, there's like four of us, sometimes there's five of us. So it's tw anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes. And for five minutes, we're just sharing what we did yesterday, what we're doing today, um, what we need, uh, what deadlines we have, and then what was something to celebrate. So I thought that was really cool. It's not something I'd done before. So since you mentioned it, like that's something for you in the very beginning of this podcast to go do. And even if it's just you sitting down, and taking stock in, uh, what I think is interesting about it is it shows us the fact that we were productive the day before. When we have to sit down and figure out what we got done, and it gives us some self-evaluation of what we did and what we didn't get done, right? So sometimes I, I had a plan to get all this stuff done, and I only got 75% of it done. But 
to somebody else, like what's, what's exciting for me is that Terry jumping on that call, one of my peers, right? Um, saying, holy smokes, how do you get all this stuff done? It made me feel good. Like, uh, and even though if it was just myself, I might've felt like I only got 75% done of what I planned. So, you know, having an outside perspective is really important. So I, I think that's a good tip for anybody that's out there is what you brought in. And I've, I've never done that before, um, frankly. So it was pretty cool. And then something to celebrate. You're always really good with the rest of the team and staff on like, man, that's really awesome what you did. Like you're constantly patting people on the back. And I'm constantly talking about what we should be doing. <laughs> like, hey, here's some, some constructive criticism or feedback. And um, I need to learn how to be a little bit more positive. So anyway, all of that to say, for productivity for me, I think I, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to pinpoint a lot of this stuff. So I think we're going to need to dig into a little bit and have conversations around some of the different things that I do. But I've always noticed that I have been, I can probably get more accomplished in the same amount of time than other people. And I think it's mostly focus, like trying to stay focused. Because I notice when I break focus and I get distracted or I'll check an email or something or I'll get a phone call or a text message and it, it shifts my focus that you get back on focus, um, it takes some time. And everybody's different. Some people it will take 30 minutes to an hour to get back. Some people will never get back all day. Uh, some people will be able to be in the zone and get right back into the zone right away. So this kind of flow state concept is something that I've been learning about and looking, about, looking into of like, where do I operate at the highest efficiency possible? And for me, it's, it's early in the morning. Like if I can get 5.30 to 7 o'clock in the morning and I can get in that office, I can get done five hours of work uh, before the sun comes up and before most people in my family are up. And I think that was a, the, background, the military background and stuff like that with my dad. I would wake up at you know, five o'clock in the morning when I was in high school and go for a run. And I'd get all that stuff done for the soccer team um, before breakfast even. And I'd be out there, you know, putting in the work before the sun came up. And when I went in the military, it was the same thing. So um, I think that the number one tip that I have is like finding your productivity zone and sticking in there. Like uh, I know Mike Simmons is, he works at night and I see you work at night too, Terry. I think you are uh, more of a night owl than a morning person like me. And yeah. If you, can, if you can schedule your things to, to your most productive time around the areas where you're, you, can, you can be as efficient as possible, that's the key. So for me, I know, I know like kind of my downtimes. We all have these uh, circadian rhythms and these different uh, like rhythms that, that our bodies go through and everybody's a little bit different. So for me, I'm, I'm really a morning person. So if I can get, I, I, I got to get that stuff done early. Because if it waits till the end of the day, some, that's sometimes where I get a little uh, slower and sloppy or distracted, easily distracted and hard to focus, right? So yep. focus is probably the number one thing. Okay. So you kind of glossed over this real fast. And I think this is a big one that um, uh, you, you mentioned it, but I want to kind of dig a little deeper on this. Email and texting. And, uh, and I, have, I have watched you um, pass off your phone to other people and not check your email, not check texting. Uh, I know that's impossible for a lot of people um, and it would make, it would be a major shift in their business if they did it. So tell me, tell me how you made that shift. First of all, cause I know it wasn't always easy and you weren't always doing it and how that, like you said, has kept you focused. Still a struggle, but like right now my phone is over here in the corner. It's on airplane mode. So it won't buzz. Like it won't notify me if somebody texts me or calls me. Now, if my wife calls me twice in a row and she knows that if it's an emergency, keep calling me and it'll start ringing and I'll know. 
But when that spam caller calls me, it's not going to distract me and not going to take me off my train of thought of what we're doing right now. And so the same thing with email, you can pause your email, like can you pause your inbox, you can, uh, you've really got to stop doing that, get distracted. I still do it. Like I, I get distracted. I have a challenge checking email. I'll get, we're like goldfish now, like our attention span is like a couple seconds. And so, you know, we get distracted. If you can take those things away from yourself, like turn off the distractions, then you can become um, a lot more productive. So it, it's, it's definitely a challenge. I still fight it. Like I can, it's the technology side of things is so challenging right now. Like my phone, it's like my phone is like calling me. It's like, hey, check me, check my, e check your email. Like there could be something in there. Uh, you're, you, you're waiting for something and you're constantly checking it. Um, even when I'm playing with my kids or I wanted to like detach from it, it's still, I can hear it calling me. It's, and that's a, that's a problem, like a big problem that I'm still working towards. Like I'm trying to work out of that. But um, I think if you're intentional about it and you can just shut it down, like the, we're, we're, we're trained right now to respond as quickly as possible, like respond. And I'll tell you what, when I, if I, there's a problem that comes in and I give it a little bit more time, sometimes it solves itself. Like if I don't respond to a text message of somebody who's asking me for something in the company right away, they usually become resourceful and find an answer. And then I, I might respond three, four hours later, like, don't worry about it. I already got it taken care of. And I find I do the same thing. Last night, as an example, I texted Kyle, who you know, I went over to Kyle's house. I helped him move in, like unpack his uh, cube box that was like sitting in his driveway, right? We, we brought everything inside the house. I left and I was like, oh man, I need something from him. I knew that he was not set up in this home. He has his internet set up and everything, but he's not ready to respond. And I, I texted him because I didn't, I didn't know who else to go to. And I was like, you know what? Vanessa can help me with that. I said, never mind, disregard that. Do not read it. And I just asked Vanessa and she helped me out. And so we become resourceful when we're kind of forced in, like if you need an answer, you're going to go find it and figure it out. And a lot of times our first, our first effort is always to ask somebody else for help. And as business owners, most of the people listening to this are business owners that might have staff. Uh, they might have, you know, people that are coming to them. We are the, we're the flow through, right? Everybody's coming to us with problems for our solutions. If we, if we let it wait, push back on them, we start letting them figure out the solutions. They stop coming to us. And then what we do is we're starting to train them to reduce our inbox, reduce our text messages, reduce all the things, reduce the phone calls, all the things that are distracting us so we can focus on where we need to spend our time. And um, so I've been working on that a lot lately is trying to just turn it off and just know that everything's not urgent, like everything's not important. So we have something in the company right now where when you send an email, if it's urgent, you put urgent in the subject line in bold letters, like block letters, all caps, urgent, and then the subject. If it's information, it's info, like something you need to read. If it's um, request or action, there's some things in there, then that's the subject line, the first word of the subject line. So it grabs your attention. And I know if I get something urgent, I need to jump on it. But if not, I don't. And um, I've been able to put systems in place over time where I have an assistant that checks my email now. I really don't look at it hardly at all anymore, which was a, that was a big transition. Mm. And so now if it's urgent, she'll call me or text me or, or send me a message uh, and get a hold of me. She'll know how to get through the, uh, get through the silent mode right now if it's something that's urgent. That was a big productivity hack. I wrote that one down. Having the subject line labeled urgent or info or whatever code word you want to have with your company or the, your subordinates. I'm going to have our company start doing that. That's really, really good because I, my, my inbox gets jammed. Like, like literally, if I check my email right now, 
I'll have two days full of email. It's 4.55 Eastern time right now. So I have two full days because yesterday you and I were on a bunch of meetings. Today we were on a bunch of meetings. And then of course I'm running my house flipping company at the same time. And so it's like, I got, I know I have two days full of emails in there. And I think part of it is I'm starting to get to the point like you where, you know what? Nothing's, nothing's burning down. Somebody's going to call me. Somebody's going to text me. Somebody's going to try to reach out to me two or three times if there's something that's absolutely insane um, right now. You know, the biggest fear I have in an email is missing a wholesale deal or something out there that, that I might be able to grab. So the interesting thing, like before we get off this email concept is the transition that's happening between the mailbox and the email inbox. Like I feel like our email inbox is just slammed with spam now. I get like 200 emails a day and it's overloading with just noise, right? So mm -hmm. before we would get an email, we'd have like one or two emails and everybody would get excited. Like I got an email today, I'm gonna respond to it. Um, this is so cool. And it was manageable, right? And, but the mailbox was the place where the spam was coming. Like the, the, the mailbox inbox, right? This place the was- The catalogs uh, and the, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wanna get away from there. Like uh, you watch Seinfeld, Kramer's like got all those <laughs> catalogs and he's like, I don't want my mail. He like bricks up his mailbox and stuff. So like um, all, all that stuff where you wanna get away from that. So now I'm like, we're getting to the point now where it's like, oh my gosh, like I cannot get away from my email inbox. Like it's just, I can't, I can't get to this inbox zero concept. I can't get away from it. It's just too much noise. And so now what's interesting is I'm starting to get things in the mail and it's exciting me to go out to the mailbox and get like a handwritten card or a letter. So I think a lot of that stuff is even more valuable now than it was before. We're kind of making this transition back to that, that stuff. Like when I get a, a box or something from somebody like a gift, it's, it's a big deal because it's all junk. So um, I'm not getting as much stuff in my, in my mailbox because the marketers are now sending stuff to my, my e email box, right? So now I think there's a more opportunity than ever for us to send people things that they want to actually walk out to their mailbox to get away from their email inbox. So um, I don't know. It's interesting what's, what's happening in the way I feel. I, I, I think that you need to hire somebody. Like if you're struggling with your email inbox, you should hire a virtual assistant to just manage your inbox. Like that, that was a game changer for me uh, on the productivity side was when I didn't have to um, feel like that was pulling me back in, right? And I think that's what it is. You feel guilty. Like Terry, you're probably going there like, when are you, right now you're trying to figure out the time that you're going to find in a day going forward to, to look back on those last two days and figure out how to clean that up. Now, if somebody was cleaning it up for you on a regular basis for a couple bucks an hour, then today you wouldn't feel like you needed that time and you can go be actually, you can actually be productive with money making activities during that time. And yep. then you would only maybe have to deal with the 10 or 15 emails that were actually important in all that. And as you train them to sort it, like we do all this other stuff with uh, delegating and things like that, but we're afraid to give up a lot of our personal stuff. Like our, well, what if they reading all my personal emails? Like, I'm sorry, I don't care. Jen yeah. probably knows more about me than anybody else in the world right now. Like every bill, every letter, everything that get, comes in, um, if it's personal and you're sending it to my work email address, she's reading it. And it just is what it is. Like she manages my calendar, everything. If I'm going to see a therapist, she knows about it. Like it's just, yeah. I got to, I got to get comfortable with that. She has credit cards for personal business credit cards, all that stuff. She can make any payment that we need. She can do anything. So there shouldn't even be that stuff that gets to me unless it's really, really important or it's urgent or she doesn't know how to make that decision. So, um, I think that's a big thing for me was to release, to release like control over this stuff. Like that was hard. Uh, releasing control over some of the things that you think are important that really aren't that important. That's where the, um, that's where the answer lies on a lot of this stuff, I think. Yeah, that's great.
I love it. Okay, I got a page of notes on this. That's really good. All right, so now uh, let's just talk about a few of the productivity things I have seen and ad actually adopted from you. Uh, let's talk about the iPad for a second. Like I bought an iPad a few years ago when I was a realtor and I was using it and you know, it doesn't have the same compatibility as my laptop. I can type faster than I write, all that stuff. And uh, obviously that was several years ago and now you know, um, we're, we're to this new iPad generation where I, you know, my, my laptop, I joked that my laptop was a legal pad, right? I've got a stack of them over here and I would write stuff on the legal pad because uh, I know that I remember more when I write. So, but I would always lose it and I couldn't, I couldn't search for it. So I, this, this is what you taught me and I'd love for you to share it with the world. Yeah, it's interesting because I have this like list of YouTube videos that I want to create. And one of them is this one, like how to use the iPad for your entire life, your note taking and stuff like that. Because for me, I, I did the same thing. I avoided it for a long time. I've had lots of iPads. Like I fly with an iPad. So I have an iPad mini, like an old iPad mini. I've had different iPads, but I didn't realize the, like I, I was even coming, I was like, this is an idea. Like I have this computer. I don't want to carry another device around, right? I have my phone. Now I have my iPad. I have my computer. I have like, so people were saying, oh, I use my iPad with my, uh, with the keyboard and it's like a computer. But I was like, for me, like I need to have a computer. I need to have a computer. I need to have a mouse. I need to move fast. Like I want to move fast through the stuff. I don't want to be like dragging and dropping stuff. I want to. So for me, I, I, I said the iPad is probably not the operating system for me, like a computer would be. So I was able to, to move that on the side. So then I said, okay, what do I do all the time? What I did was I always take, ever since I was in the Navy, my, and my, actually my friend Nick Zimmerman. So Nick, if you listen to this, you taught me this. He, he would always take a sheet of, um, of paper, of printer paper, fold it in half and create checklists. And I saw him do this when I was on deployment. And whenever we would work or study or he'd have things to do, he would have this notebook paper, this printer paper, fold it in half and just write a little box, write something next to it. And he would just check it off like a checklist. And I was like, man, this is... Okay, it like fits right on your kneeboard for the plane. So if you're flying the plane or the helicopter right on your kneeboard, you got a half sheet of paper fits perfectly. So he's got all of his notes from the brief and then he would use it just, it also fits right in your flight suit pocket. Um, so we have pockets in our uh, bottom of our pants. So the bottom of the flight suit where our, our kind of hat or cover goes and you can put note that fits perfectly in there. It's like the perfect size. So I started doing this and I have these sheets of paper all over my office. Like if you ask Nate, it's all, they're all folded in half. They're a little checklist. Anytime I have an idea, I'm like, okay, I, I, maybe I want a new mark, uh, idea for a new postcard. I'm like writing it all out, putting the boxes. I create the step one, step two, all the way down to step nine on there. And I'll check it off as I go. Or each day I would go there and I'd write my, my big three, like the big three things that I'm going to accomplish every day. That's a win or a loss, right? I would write that and then the rest of the to-dos or I'd do weekly to-dos and I, they would all be like that. So when Nate came into my office, he said, what is going on here? Like you have printer paper all over the place. I'm like, yeah, those are old. That's old ideas over there. These are like new ideas. This is like last week. And it would just be like stacks. And I, and I have notebooks all over the place. I'd leave a notebook somewhere. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to bring it because it was too heavy. And I have my flip hacking live notes. I have my mastermind notes from each mastermind event. Then I would have like old books from college or all these things that I'm like pulling out ideas from and loose leaf paper. So, I mean, I would have a notebook, loose leaf paper jammed in there and stuff like that. So obviously this is like a filing system nightmare, right? Right. So, but, but this is where the last like, I don't know, 20 years 
of my career have gone. Like this is how I, this was my process and my system. And so I said, okay, if I can, but I love to write, when, like you said, when I write down things, it goes from the head to the paper and it gets ingrained in my memory. I won't forget that stuff. So I'm, I have to write. And so when I found out, I asked people, I was like, I need help. Like I'm thinking about getting an iPad or a Surface Pro. I actually saw Mike Simmons come here with a Surface Pro and use it. And I said, wow, that's interesting. He's like writing with a pencil on the Surface Pro. And then he showed me he could have like these different folders and stuff. So I said, wow, maybe, I, maybe the Surface Pro is it. And then somebody goes, you know, an iPad does that now. I was like, what? I had no idea. So long story short, my life was absolutely crazy up until January this year. And now with the iPad, I have a, I have a notes. Uh, I use a, something called GoodNotes. So I use the iPad Pro. I have the small one. Terry got the massive one. Um, he needs to see it. He needs the writing a little bit bigger, right? So I, uh, I have a small one. And um, I think it's like 11 inch. I want to say it's 11 inch, but I, I might just be, I think there's 11 and 13 or something. And so, um, so I have good notes. I have the Apple pencil and that's it. Like I, and I, I got this little screen, like this, this uh, film on the top that's called paper, paper-like film. So it feels like you're writing on paper a little bit more than the glass. And for me, I write everything in there. So I have a notebook, like all the notebooks that I had on my shelves. The coolest part was if you're worried about getting rid of that stuff, I had my assistant scan in all that stuff and email it to me. So now I have all of those notebooks. They're all gone. They're in the trash. Like, and the, the cool part is I can share it with all my um, cloud. So my Apple cloud and everything. So I can, I can get it on my desktop if I want. If I put something on my desktop, I can pull it into my iPad off the cloud. I don't even have to have my computer around to do it. So there's a lot of features and functionality that I can do with it. And I have notebooks for everything. Like every time we're on a marketing meeting, it's right here. So all I need to do is carry this thing around with me. And I have all my notebooks. Like I have a hundred notebooks, a thousand notebooks right here. And I can search in there. So if I, there's a word that I'm looking for or something that I, I don't remember what notebook I put it in. You know how that's times where you're like, I wrote that down somewhere. Like, where is yeah. it? You're looking through like 10 notebooks and you never find it. Well, I can just search for the word and it can search the word in my, in my handwriting to find it. So anyway, I, I, I'll scream about this thing for, I, sh I need to get, figure out how to get stock in this or get some referral links or affiliate codes or something from Apple. But uh, my assistant just told me that they have a military discount that I had no idea about. I wish he told me that before. I just bought a new computer and a new iPad and a pencil and all this stuff that I bought. But um, so really cool. I think it's huge productivity hack um, that I've used this, this year to, I'm probably getting twice as much done this year as I was before, just because it's always there. I'm not wasting any time looking for information. Yeah. It's funny. We were on a call today and I noticed, I'm like, wait a minute, Nate, Nate's using one. I'm using one. You're using one. Look like Chad King was using one. Yeah. It was pretty funny to see all the people that have been converted over. I mean, and the, the search feature, that's the beautiful part of it. Like, cause I, I, I was going through mine and I'm like, oh, I got to reorganize all these notebooks in here. Cause I have too many of them. And, uh, and I was like, but I can search, right? Like I can search for anything in there with good notes. And then are you using it? Um, are you using like a, a planner that you write in? Like, how are you, how are you uh, addressing your calendar every day? Yeah. So, uh, before, so my, what I was doing before was I would just do like my, I do exactly what I said, like this big three concept. Like I would sit down and say, what are the couple things? That, so I would sit down the day before. So the night before, um, first of all, the beginning of the week, I would set this up. Like what are the big dominoes I need to knock down for the week to win the week? And then each night I would sit down and say, okay, what am I going to get done tomorrow that absolutely has to get done? 
And if I do that and I do nothing else, then I win. Like I win the day, but I get that done. And I do that first. Like I would sit down and do that one thing first. And I highly recommend, I still do that. I still like block that in my calendar, but I do it a little bit different way. And so I think that's the first step that you take. So that's what I took. Like what, because a lot of people get, we, it, as far as this, this stuff goes, we get stuck in doing busy work a lot of times or what we think is productive when it's not like checking email, like at the end, of, at the end of your day, you usually sit down and go, what did I get done today? Like, I don't even know if I did anything today, but if you start with that big win and you get that, that thing done, then it doesn't matter if you got anything else done. You got that thing done. That was, you've been waiting a long time. Maybe it's a big money making task. Maybe it's something you've been putting off for a while. Maybe it's time sensitive and urgent and you get it done. Then at the end of the day, you could say, well, it doesn't matter because I got that, I got the thing done that, that was going to move the needle for me today. So that's, that's a recommendation I'll give to anybody. So I've done that for many, many years of getting those anywhere from one to three things like critical items done and do it first. If you save it till the end of the day, you're going to run out of time. So then, you know, I had this podcast that I did with Nina. So uh, Nina Ferrara, she uh, did this boldly planner. And so I bought this boldly planner and I got it and I watched her methodology after the podcast. I was kind of blown away. I know a lot of our our members are using it. And so that's, I use her planner, her methodology, her kind of concept. And you can go back to that podcast that I did with her. We can link it in the show notes here, but that is, uh, that's the concept that I used. And a lot of her strategies are, are just amazing. So every Sunday night now I sit down and I create my brain dump, she calls it. So I just dump everything on a sheet of paper and then I kind of rank it out and I say, um, here, let me pull it. It's uh, priority actions, all other actions, and then quick tasks. So um, kind of like, what's a priority action? So that's no more than five, she says, per week. So those are like my, my big three to five things for the week that I get done now. And then um, all other actions is anything. So inside those other actions, there's urgent, everything else, and delegate. So I can delegate stuff, and I usually do. I'll write it down. The first thing I think about is like, can I delegate this to somebody else? So um, one example is uh, to send out some cards right now, like some handwritten cards or some uh, thank you notes and stuff. And so I said, can I delegate that? Like, can I delegate that? And so I reached out to Jen on Monday morning. I said, hey, here's a list of people that I want to send some stuff to. Can you write up uh, uh, some cards to them? You know, use the system that we use um, and send them some cards. Uh, some other ones were like, look for this kind of software or uh, create, finish the challenge videos. That was like a urgent thing that has to get done this week. I have to finish the last two challenge videos. It's on there as my priority action item. And then what I do is I schedule my days. So each day there's meetings that are stuck in there that aren't going to be moved that are that have to be done so that goes on there first and then i fill in all those items from the brain dump i fill them into the different times of my day and so if i have a gap of an hour like i want to be able to look down here right when i get done this podcast and say okay what am i doing next because what happens is usually we say all right we get done this podcast and then i'm like i got 30 minutes like what can i get done it takes you 10 minutes to figure out what you have to do and then you only now you only have 20 minutes by the time you have 20 minutes you're like well, this task is going to take me like 25 or 30 minutes. So I'm probably not going to get going. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to catch up on my email or I'm going to, and then you get distracted. Next thing you know, you're late for your next meeting because you, you're just, you forgot what time it was. You're not structured. So I'd say like the structure of your day and being pre-planned on your structure instead of reactive, be proactive. That's a big thing for me. And that's what this planner does. The cool thing is they have a PDF version that now I use in my iPad. So um, you can buy the PDF version from them on their website and then you can upload it onto your, uh, uh, onto your 
you know, uh, iPad or your surface. And then just, I use that. And now I can just, I can write on it and then I don't have to carry around. I mean, look, the planner is awesome. If you're like a, if you're a handheld planner kind of person, you want to carry that planner with you. It's great. But now it's all here. Like this is now my planner, my notebooks, my, my flip hacking live notebook, my mastermind notebook, my company uh, EOS planner, like all the documents that I need are in here and I can go grab them. It's also like my coloring book for my kids and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, we can mess around with it. It's so cool. So, um, yeah, so I use that planner. I think it's fantastic. I highly recommend everybody out there get it. They're, they're amazing. Um, and it, every, there's, every planner is a little bit different for everybody, right? Not everybody's going to love their, their structure and system and methodology and everything. Um, you might want something different. It's very simple. I love simple. You know, I think one thing that you do really well, and I'm sure this goes back to, you know, your father being in the military, you being in the military, being brought up in a military family, is you're really good at compartmentalizing things. Um, you're just natural at it, right? You're an engineer. Um, you're a high-level athlete in high school, soccer player. Um, you know, so, you know, take, take somebody perpetual, you know, out there that, like you said, they'll, they have, they, they, they're moving the needle, and they're, they're not moving as fast as they want to move, how can they, how can they be more like you and, and compartmentalize when it doesn't come natural to them? Like, what would you, what would you advise? Because engineers are kind of wired that way, right? The whole thing makes perfect sense when I hear you talking about the checklists. And, and you even had, that, you had stacks of checklists that Nate was making fun of you for, but you, like, they, all, they were organized, right? This was yesterday's ideas, today's ideas, tomorrow, whatever. So help, help somebody out there who can't, who doesn't have the natural gift to compartmentalize and, and give them some practical tips. Well, I think you need to train to it. Like you need to actually accept the fact that you're not good at it. And you need to take some self-reflection to say, how could I get better at this? And what is it about me that makes me struggle with this? And when you understand yourself and you know who you are and what you want to do, and why you're doing it, then you can start figuring out some of the tools and tips and, and techniques that you need to use. Like, what do you need to get better at? And for some, if it doesn't come, if anything doesn't come natural to you, like, I don't know, like walking and talking and writing and uh, all the stuff that we do right now that seems like it was natural was never natural for us. Like we're just, we're learning how to do it over time. And so I think you need to put in the repetition. Like you need to, you need to go out there and make small strides towards it and be intentional about it. So I, I see a lot of people are like, I, I just, I can't do that. Like I, it's, that's just not me. It's not my personality. It's not, I'm not a, I'm not a good note taker. I'm not a good, uh, I can't like run a to-do list. Like why not? Why can't you? I couldn't fly an airplane until I got beat up and beat up and beat up and had to figure it out. Right. And so I think the aviation side of me is probably where most of this compartmentalization comes from. Like we have to, we have to shut off a lot, especially being in the military. Like if you're going to go to war, you're going to go out overseas. You got to be on, on your, on alert. You can't worry about the fact that there's some struggles at home or it's Christmas time or, um, you know, something happened. You got to be able to shut that off and be able to, to put it over here while you get the job done. Um, otherwise, you know, bad things can happen. So we're constantly trained for that, but that's not natural for everybody. Like people are not just, okay, Hey, crisis is happening. Like I remember when I was in uh, Patuxent River, Maryland, I showed up on a, on a scene of an accident. Like I, uh, I think uh, I was, so I was driving down the road. Will, Will was not with me, but he, him and Lucy were at home and I was, it was me and one other person in my car. And I was driving to a friend's house, uh, right by the base. And it was a bad accident. Like somebody came off the road, smashed into the, um, 
into the ditch, bleeding everywhere. Like it, it wasn't life or death, but it was, it was bad. And so we got over there, got him out of the car, um, got him kind of up away from the car, just jumped right into first aid, like all the stuff that we had been trained to do. I was in my flight suit. I basically like, I didn't have anything inside the car. So I like unzipped the flight suit, took off my shirt, was like, you know, bandaging um, wounds and bleeding and stuff like that. And call, making sure that we called not all these other people were starting to show up. Right. And we immediately went into, you go do this, you go do this, you go do this. It's like you jump into that mode of I'm trained for this. You don't even think about it. And I think that's where we need to get to a lot in like productivity, what we do, all that stuff is just constantly train ourselves and, and find somebody who's really good at it and grab their tips. Like what are some of the things that you do? So like you can start very easily with just one thing a day, like just start, sit down on a Sunday or every night and say, what's the one thing that I'm going to do tomorrow? And then block that time out and go do it. Like do that one thing. That's it. Don't try to go from whatever you're doing to go like, go out tomorrow, buy the planner, buy the iPad, buy like, because if you're not somebody who it likes to do this, you're never going to use this stuff anyway. And so I see so many people just want to go from like zero to a hundred overnight. And so it's just small changes over time. If you struggle with all of this stuff and you try to go from zero to a hundred, I'm going to, I'll say, go buy a book called the compound effect by Darren Hardy. Go buy that book, read that book. If you don't know how to read or you don't like to read, get it on audible and listen to it. Like that book is about making small, like finite changes over time. Like really small. Like I'm talking about like five calories less per day each day, like something that's so insignificant as eating like one less spoonful of cereal in the morning or one less nut in the bag of 100 calorie peanuts. And you will see the fact that you will lose weight over time. You, if you smoke 20 cigarettes a day, smoke 19. Like take one off a week and you'll start seeing the fact that you'll be able to quit smoking. So it's like the fact that all this stuff compounds. So a long-winded answer to say, I think you just have to go do it. Like you have to figure out what your limitations are, what some of your struggles are and start working towards it. And that could go for anything that we talk about, not just productivity and compartmentalization, but I don't know. I look at compartmentalizing as like being able to shut this off and focus on, on what's the the task at hand. Right. And you got to be able to, to adapt and move from task to task to task and not carry the last task with you to the next one or some of the, the weight that you have, just be able to brush it off. And I know it's easier said than done, a lot of the stuff. Um, but I think it's just small steps, not trying to take these big leaps right away. And just over time, like be patient. That's the thing that I struggle with the most. I'm like the most impatient person in the world. But you just have to be patient and you'll see the growth. And the other thing that I think you need to do is you need to look back at where you were to take stock in all of the changes that, you, that have been made to pat yourself on the back from time to time. So like the thing that we started this podcast with, with Terry talking about um, the, the five things that we do on our meeting, one of them is the celebration. And that's something that I never would have put in there. And you do because that's the thing that after we talk about all of the problems that we had the day before, all the things that we have to do today, the needs, the deadlines, all that stuff, we end with the celebration. And I don't think that's by chance. So you end with that celebration, you come out of that meeting feeling positive or that your, your time to talk is being positive. Well, and uh, uh, to speak to that point, the, you're naturally good at this um, because of your upbringing. And so uh, other people are going to have to struggle with this. But the, the bottom line is I see what Bill gets done 
I, I knew Bill, I met him four or five years ago um, at, at one of the first seven figure flipping events. And he was focused then and, and he's just gotten more focused. I think, and I'm about 10 years, 12 years older than you. I feel like as I get older, the, the things I'm really good at intensify and the things I'm not good at intensify, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've, I'm finding myself now going, I don't, I don't like carrying this weight around anymore. I've got to shed this because I don't want to take it with me when I'm 55 or 60 or 65. And so I don't know what it is about age and the way our brain works and all that kind of stuff. But the older you get, the more you're going to stay the way you are, unless you finally do something about it. Um, there was something I wrote in here. Hey, before can, you move on from that, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really important topic to just cover very quickly because um, by no means do I want anybody out there to like focus and work on something that you're, you're going to have to spend 10 times the amount of time getting better at with two times the output of what you're currently doing. Right. Like the, the biggest thing, if you're not organized and productive and like productivity is one thing, like you're going to have to be productive at some point, but organization and stuff and, and staying on task and things like that, like that's an easy that's an easy thing to figure out how to get somebody to help you, whether it's an office manager or an assistant or even a virtual assistant, like figuring that side of it out. Like I had to get help. I knew I, I, I sat down, I said, what is holding me back? Like, where's all my time going? I took stock of my time and over half my day was answering and responding and managing emails. So I said like, even if I just hire an assistant, all their job is, is to check my email and manage my email and sort it and put it in inbox because I want it all in certain areas. I want to be able to search that. That's like a database in of itself for me. Mm. And so I, that was it. Like the first person I hired for to be my assistant, that was their only job in the beginning. And then I started to figure out other things for them to do. So I'll challenge you guys to, like I know, I realized I just said like, you've got to work on some things. But for me, like, like you said, Terry, I, I agree. Like, the things that I'm good at, I really know what I'm good at. I also know the things that I'm not good at, but I don't look at either one of those as a positive or a negative. Like right. if, I can, if I can focus on how those are really good, like how I can take those negatives and be okay with it and find somebody who's really good in that area and bring them alongside with me and then take the things that I'm really good at, and like you said, kind of let it intensify and focus there, then that's, that's where we kind of operate in our like genius zone, right, or our superpower. So I think that's really important for anybody is it, uh, don't beat yourself up because you're not good at it. But the other side of that coin is like that this dichotomy between this is don't just accept the fact that you're not good at it. Like, or, and, and complain about it or say like, for, like I can never get a little bit better in that area. If, if that's an area that, that is critical and crucial to your business, because I think productivity is one thing that I would rather work like one hour and get four, like four times done what normal people do. Other people do. Then, go work four or five hours doing it. Like I just want to figure out how to get my stuff done as quickly as possible so I can move on to other things or what I want to be doing. Like if I can be, you know, twice as productive as you, I can win. And that, you know? it, that's right. I, that was the word that was getting ready to come out of my mouth. Winning to you, winning to me is important. And then to other people though, saving time is super important, right? That's how they win. Or they want to spend more time with their kids. A single mom out there trying to flip houses um, who really needs to, compartmentalize her time so that she can give all the attention to her kids that she needs to, right? That's how she wins. And so figuring out the way you win is key. 
I think the last piece of this really is we just wrapped up um, a quarterly accountability session in seven figure flipping. First one I've ever had to lead. I really just want to participate in one, but Becca made me lead one. And uh, it was an incredible experience. Number one, because for me personally, it was, we, we've moved and, you know, I like being laser focused on things. I don't like distractions. And so had a ton of distractions in the last three months. But what was cool is as we ended our event uh, or ended the 12 weeks, everybody was saying, look, I got further down the road because of the other nine people in this group than I would have if I didn't get on these Monday morning calls. Like our calls, these little calls that we talked about at the beginning, they were for me to kind of peer into the curtain to figure out what I needed to know, who I needed to know, who did what, what did what. It was a cheat sheet for me, but it was also a way for us to build camaraderie as a marketing department too, right? That was kind of the, the two main goals. But accountability is the, I think the last piece. I really want to talk about your stand-up desk right now, but I, accountability, talk about that. Like, you, you know, you need accountability, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny because we, so we covered this a lot. Like, we talked a lot about accountability on a recent podcast that you guys probably listened to, the Veterans Community Project one that I did with Mark. And it was, accountability is so important. Like, we have got to have, especially like a peer-to-peer or even someone who is, I talked about that quote from, um, uh, oh man, his name is escaping me now. I talked about a quote about um, uh, Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn uh, gave this quote about the fact that you have somebody who is more successful than you, that shows confidence in you, you build confidence in yourself. Hmm. So like having that mentor, having that coach, having that guide, somebody who's guiding you along the way, who's building your confidence, giving me confidence. So like, I look at, you know, Terry says when he met me at that first mastermind meeting, like that was the beginning of a journey for me because all these other people were start like I wanted to go show up and I wanted to prove myself. Like I want, like for me, winning is being the most successful person in the room. Like that's it. That for me, I'm going to compete and I want to get in a room where other people are competing and it's, it's friendly competition. It's not like we're like throwing up the, the HUDs on the wall and saying who's making more money, but it's, it's underlying tone in these, in these groups. So you, you want to show up when you have to, when you show up for yourself, I'm accountable to myself pretty well. But when I show up for somebody else, like I'm, I'm a, I care a lot more about making sure that I'm prepared, that I've done what I said I'm going to do, because it's more of like an honor thing for me. It's more of like my word is my bond. I said I was going to do it. I can tell my, I can make excuses for myself, but it's very hard to show up and make excuses to other people, especially peers especially other business owners, uh, other leaders, things like that. Like I don't want to disappoint them or let other people down. So what you'll find is that's why teams are so successful because when somebody else is reliant on your output and your effort, you probably put it in twice, three, four, even 10 times more than you would if you were accountable to yourself. So if I knew that my deadline to get myself something was Tuesday, I could easily make it Wednesday. But if I know that somebody else needs to pick up the ball on Tuesday to run with it, to get their thing done on Wednesday, then I'm going to work a lot harder to make sure I hit my deadline. So I think that's, you know, the, the team concept and, and this accountability structure where there's other people around that are looking at you because it's all about status. Like our whole world revolves around status, whether you believe it or not, it's like an increase in status or decrease in status. So I heard this recently on how people buy and things like that based on status. Like you've got, uh, if you think about it, when you show up to this, that meeting, that accountability meeting, you don't want to be the person in there who doesn't have their stuff done or their things together. 
Like right. that reduces your status in the meeting. <laughs> yes. And if you go into that meeting and you have your stuff to gun, you're the 100%, other people are at 90, you're hitting your goals, your status goes up, right? You're the, you're the person that everybody's looking up to. And so the, the example that I heard about buying is, um, it, was a, it was about a really nice car, a fancy car. And somebody's like, well, I don't care about status. Like I would never buy a Ferrari. Like I love my minivan, right? And, it's, and this, this, the, they were like, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's, you, feel like a, you feel like your status is defined by the car you drive. So the person, you might argue that the person who wants the Ferrari is saying that they, they don't want to seem flashy or have this like really high status. And then on the other side of the coin, you have this person that wants to drive a minivan because they don't want to drive a Ferrari because they're worried about what other people think of them and that their status is going to go down in those people's minds. So it's all the same. Like, so when you think about that, think about like everything that you do has to, has to do with this. Like what you wear, what you drive, who you are, like all that stuff is based on status. And so for me, like I know that when I show up and other people are reliant on me and dependent on me, I'm going to, I'm going to work 10 times as hard to get that stuff done than I would for myself because I don't seem to, I don't know. And it's not about like what other people think about you or all of that stuff. It's just the way we're wired. We're human beings. We care about what other people see, feel, think, like, and the impact that we can make on other folks. So anyway, long story to say that accountability is probably like the number one thing that you need. This accountability and this community concept is so, so important. So, well, it reminds me, and we can close on this because we're running out of time here, but if people haven't watched the Michael Jordan thing on ESPN, uh, what was that? What's, it, seven, uh, what's the name of that series? I always think Michael Jordan, but um, yeah. Uh, oh man. Now Last Dance. That's it. Last Dance. Last Dance. Yep. Yeah. Last Dance. Uh, and I think it's uh, episode seven. He, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player in the world, has n nobody to, to really answer to in the basketball world, right? One would argue. This guy walks through this whole kind of emotional thing at the end of one of the episodes, and he talks about, he talks about accountability. And he said, I, I wanted it for them. I wanted them to win as much as I wanted to win myself, but I wasn't going to let them not be at my level in order to win, right? So he wouldn't have been happy if they didn't get all the way to his level and, and win. If, they would have, if he would have been here and they would have been down here, he, would not, he wouldn't have been as happy with the winning as he was. And so a guy like Michael Jordan, you know, tons of lessons there, but accountability is huge. So get accountable. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that last like two and a half minutes of that episode is awesome. That is the most amazing uh, two and a half minutes that I've seen because I, what I loved about it was he said, um, like it was, it was at the time where they were talking about him being like a, like a dictator, like pushing people too far and being like mm -hmm. ruthless. And he was like, look, I'm here to win. And he's like, they, they, he said, he said, no, I, I was willing to do everything that I was asking them to do. And so I wasn't asking them to do anything that I wasn't already doing. And then he said that I pushed them to their limit and past their limit, but we won and they were all winning with me and we won together and they were happy that we were winning and they won championship. We were champions together. It was really cool. It wasn't a one man show is the fact that he was trying to get people up to his level. Like he was pulling them and pulling them up and it was really cool to see. And uh, that's what like, the true leader does is really push you outside of your comfort zone, outside your limits to, to, to force you to grow, like push you. And they all wanted to be there. They were mm -hmm. all showing up to be there. Yep. It wasn't like he was forcing them to be there. 
They were, pro they were pros, right? And that's what we are. We're pros. We show up. We're going to push each other. And I wouldn't be a good mentor. I wouldn't be a good leader. I wouldn't be a good, uh, a good you know, manager and, and, and owner of this company if I didn't push every single person that listens to this podcast to go do more than they think they can do. Because you're listening to this for a reason. You're not listening to a podcast like this or self-help or reading these incredible books or all this stuff if you didn't want to grow and do more. Like people don't listen to this stuff. You're listening to this. You want that, those things. So somebody, you need to find somebody to push you out of your comfort zone to get you, like pull you up to that level. And it may be me, it may be somebody else, maybe somebody else in our community. Like that's what our community is so awesome about is that we're all, so there's somebody reaching up and there's somebody reaching down at every level of where we are. So what I loved, I just did a podcast with Danny and, and Flip and they said, we've outgrown our coaches in the past and I don't feel like we can outgrow this place. Hmm. And that to me felt amazing because I'm constantly trying to figure out how to, how to like, how to outrun everybody else that's here, right? And how, how we're constantly like, kind of like chasing each other to do more. And that, that goes with impact, like giving, with uh, building the business, with everything that we're doing. So um, I don't know. We kind of got off productivity a little bit, but I think, I, think it's, I think it's similar. Yeah, it is totally. Well, man, thanks for the time. Thanks for letting me kind of turn the tables on you and interview you. I've seen you operate at a high level um, you know, during your work day and then being able to go home and hang out with your kids and spend time with your family um, and be intentional about all that stuff too is really, it's inspiring to me. I want other people to hear the story. So thanks a lot. And I'm going to, I'm going to turn the podcast back over to you now, my friend. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's still the challenge. The challenge is unplugging and, and shutting that off when you go home. And I'm, I'm still working through that challenge. Like that's, that's the next level for me. The next level for me is not to hear the phone calling me um, to unplug and um, I'll, I'll give a tip. Uh, I'm, I, my pastor recommended a book to me uh, about a month ago. And then, in fact, I just saw one of our members, Jennifer Ross, was reading it recently. It's called The TechWise Family. Hmm. And that's, uh, that's one that I would recommend to you if your technology is calling you and it's, uh, you can't put it down, you can't unplug from it, and you can't release from it. And that's kind of what I'm working through right now to try to figure out how to do that and make sure that it's, that's been a goal for, of mine for over a year now. And I don't feel like I've mastered it. I feel like it's even recently it's gotten worse as I've jumped back in and bought this company. Um, so now I'm, I'm working my way uh, back to where I was about a year and a half ago where at 2.30 every Monday I went and played soccer. And so I don't have that anymore. So uh, figuring that stuff out, like uh, I enjoy work. I really love to work. I also like to play hard too. So um, I think that's the, uh, uh, I'm missing some of that stuff in my life and just constantly taking account of where you are uh, in your kind of wheel and the different aspects of your life, family, faith, uh, wealth, business, um, activities and fun, and then friends and family, that kind of stuff. So, um, all right. Well, Terry, thanks for, uh, thanks for the interview. I had a good time. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited of everything we have to come. Uh, for those of you guys who are out there, I'm sure that you know, I did a podcast on him a couple of weeks ago, but Flip Hacking Live is going virtual. We're 100% virtual for Flip Hacking Live. I made the decision three months out, so we'd have plenty of time to plan, to jump into that and, and go. And this is the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about there. Productivity, goal setting, uh, marketing, um, all the things that we're doing, hiring, training, uh, onboarding, managing, leading, uh, motivation. We'll bring in some different speakers. The cool thing about going virtual is I have the opportunity to bring an unprecedented event to you. We can put on a live event where you are. So we can put on the same live event that we do. We'll be on stage. Um, we're, I'm flying the team out. I'm flying the speakers out to North Carolina. We're building a studio and we're going to bring that right to you. So unprecedented time, unprecedented event, unprecedented opportunity for me to bring that into where you are, into your home. 
So I'm really excited about that. I know Terry will be there. We're working on the plan right now. We're structuring it. We're building it out. So make sure that you get your ticket to this. You don't have to buy a plane ticket. You don't have to buy a hotel room. If you're an extrovert, we have some things for you. We have awesome breakout sessions, networking events. We're going to go late. We're going to do all the things that we did before. We're going to send you out boxes and packages of stuff to prepare some swag, all that stuff, just like you would get at a live event. I am really excited to bring this to you. I guarantee that this will be the best virtual event that you have ever attended in the real estate world, period. Like I am going to crank it up. Uh, I am going to bring the 10, 10X productivity to this and make sure that it is amazing as possible in the three months. Last year, we pulled off what you saw in person in three months. This year, we're gonna pull this amazing virtual event off in three months. And it's gonna be an experience, like a 360 degree experience, not just you staring at a Zoom room for three days or an extended webinar. So if that's what you think it is, it's, you're making a big mistake. So um, we're going to bring it. I'm going to show you what's possible with uh, technology right now. It is 2020. We can crank up the technology. And I'm going to show you some cool stuff. So go to fliphackinglive.com, grab your tickets. Uh, don't wait. We are going to increase the prices. I'm sure that like we're going to have, we have a certain capacity for this event. So virtually inside of our, our, our like technology package and dashboard and all that stuff that we have planned. So we'll raise the prices just like we did the live event. Make sure you go get the early bird pricing and all that stuff and uh, grab your spot. And then if we haven't announced VIP yet, we will be soon. We'll do some all access pass VIP behind the scenes type stuff. And uh, that'll be coming if we haven't already launched it by the time we release this podcast. So Terry, I'm excited about that. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for interviewing me and I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Bye. Life is changing. Your business is changing. Everything's changing. There's only one option that we have. We have to pivot. We have to make a change. We have to go in a different direction. Flip Hacking Live is evolving. We're changing, we're adapting, we're adjusting into this new opportunity. This virtual experience is going to be jam-packed with tips, strategies, techniques, the same great speakers, breakout sessions, networking opportunities that you would typically see at a live event in person. But we are able to come into your home, wherever you are, into your office. This is an amazing opportunity that you cannot afford to miss.